Good morning. I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment. We've got Chris Rule joining us today. He is Cybersecurity Cowboy. I want to know where that nickname came from. Probably has something to do with that wonderful hat. He is also the Director of Information Services for Sublet County School District Number 1 in Pinedale, Wyoming. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, is President-Elect for Whitetail. We'll find out what Whitetail is in just a second. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks. I'm super happy to be here. I'm a big fan of your show. I have to have to just throw that out there. Yay, I'll get all three of you together and you can yeah. have virtual coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, seriously, I appreciate that. Um, and I hope, did I pronounce Pinedale correctly? I, you I did, yeah. Okay, wow, that's awesome. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm done for the day. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> so, so why don't you... Uh, Start from the beginning. How did you get involved with um, IT and cyber and how did it lead you to those two positions I was just talking about today? Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely took a non-traditional path. I, I did not set out um, as a youngster to, to work in, in IT or cybersecurity. You know, well, growing up, you know, cybersecurity wasn't even a thing. Right? I was about to say, it's like, you know, it wasn't like I was in first grade. It's like, I want to be a blue blue uh, or red team, or it's like that kind of thing didn't exist. Exactly. I wanted to be a fireman is what I wanted to be. I guess that would have been a red teamer and policeman would have been blue teamer. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, I went to school for kinesiology, which is the study of human movement. And I thought about doing physical therapy or something along those lines, something with uh, rehab or personal training or, you know, somewhere along those lines, went to school for that Grew up in uh, Northwest Colorado in Steamboat Springs. And they had a, a grant program at the college where if you were a local kid, you got to go to the community college essentially for free. You qualified for the grant. So I went there and uh, then there was a found out about another grant that allowed you to continue your two-year education at a four-year college. So I transferred to uh University of Northern Colorado in uh, Greeley and um, studied kinesiology. And, and all the while I was an older student, I had kids, I've got four girls. So I had young toddlers when I was in school and uh, always had an aptitude for computers and was always working on, you know, doing my homework on the computer. We would do advanced things like hydrostatic body fat analysis, which is just a giant math formula. And I wasn't very good at math, but my computer was. So I would program my computer to do it. And pretty soon I had people paying me a dollar to run the calculations through my program. And um, one thing led to another. I ended up working for Hewlett Packard while I was going through uh, through college and working in their support division in in uh, Fort Collins and, uh, and Loveland. And Got my MCSE back in the NT4 days. Ah, yes. And uh, so the old school. Mm -hmm. And uh, a job opened up in my wife's uh, hometown in, in northern Colorado, close to Steamboat, uh, Kremling. And it was for a new position in schools. It was director of technology. Uh, and that was in 1999. And I've been working at the, the district level, managing technology in schools at the district level since, uh, since 99. So, um, that mainly was IT to start with. And then over the past several years, we saw all these things, you know, where schools are getting breached and ransomware is happening. And um, that just kind of naturally transformed into someone here has got to take care of this. Um, and not just for our school, but for all schools, because mm -hmm. it's a major issue. It's a, definitely a, a, a targeted industry. So um, 
started looking more at that and, and really just tried to analyze what we needed at our school district to combat that. And that led me down the cybersecurity path and um, got in a few classes, went to some conferences, did some things. Um, you know, this is the cowboy state. So I would show up to conferences in my cowboy hat and I just kind of became the cybersecurity cowboy. <laughs> Never you know, oh, I had it, my hat. If I had really like thought about this like a little bit, I, 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 I'm kind of like going on a tangent here, but um, on occasion we'll go out to uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and one mm -hmm. of the years that I was there, I had to get a hat, and oh, I mean, yeah. you know, the Stetson and all that. It's like I should have worn that, except for that I don't know if I could have put the ear, the ear, the headset. No, over. you probably couldn't. Have. You'd had them upside down or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Start a new trend. I don't know if that would work. I'd probably end up eating the, you know, thing in my mouth or something. Be like a bit. I'd be like a horse, right? So, yeah, everyone um, knows Jackson Hole, and and where I'm at now is in is in Pinedale. So we're south of Jackson Hole. We're on the the western side of the state, and uh, we're about. It takes about maybe an hour and twenty minutes to get to Jackson Hole from where we're at. Mm -hmm. um, but we're definitely nestled right up against the Wind River Mountains there, and if you've been to Jackson Hole, then you you know the scenery that we have here, um, the Tetons and the mountains that, you know, just stick up. And so it really is a, a pretty beautiful area of the country. Well, not only have I been to the to Tetons, but um, one time we took a drive. We ended up, we flew into Jackson Hole, but we flew out of Salt Lake and drove from Jackson Hole to Salt Lake. And I'm wondering if that's like on the way where you're at. It, it almost no, you probably would have went through Afton. Um, so there's there's two uh, mountain ranges that kind of split the valley that we're in. There's the Wyoming Range and, and the Wind River Range. And mm -hmm. you were probably on the other side of the Wyoming Range. So you skipped our, if you had gone to Rock Springs, if you'd have flown out of Rock Springs, which is a much smaller airport, you'd have gone through Pinedale. But you were definitely right in the neighborhood here. It, it would have been yeah. considered local in Wyoming. <laughs> I think Boise is considered local. Like to... <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, anything within an eight hour eight hour drive is local. Well, interesting uh, path. Uh, before I ask you about threats, um, just can you explain a little bit what Whitetail is? Because sure. that, that, so, that um, kind of threw threw me for a loop on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, and no one knows what it is. It's a it's a very young organization. So Cosin is a it's a the only organization that's geared toward technology directors in education uh, mm -hmm. and it's a nationwide thing and they have a conference every year and they've got a lot of members um, and and it really is geared toward technology and education and and the challenges that are associated with those positions and many states have a local chapter and we had uh, a number of tech directors that were getting together on monthly meetings here in Wyoming just to try to hash through our common problems and we decided, you know what, let's uh, let's partner with a bigger organization. Let's create our own chapter. Mm. And um, so we we kind of are umbrellaed under that. But it's our local uh, it's our local technology chapter for educational leaders. It's the Wyoming Technology Education Leaders Association. And I have I always learn at least one new thing on each of these discussions. And I have now learned something new. There you go. Um, would love to hear more about threats to usually I'll ask about small and mid-sized businesses, but I really want to hear about threats, security and IT wise to um, education, because I'm sure that's a really, really tough area. And we'll get to that. You'll have 30 seconds to think about that. 
VCSO Services is a small, specialized, veteran-owned information security firm with a calling, founded on Christian values and focused on the needs of small and mid-sized businesses. Our passion is to help small and mid-sized businesses gain a fighting chance in an increasingly hostile cybersecurity threat environment by providing executive part-time virtual CISO services, information security risk management services, and CISO advisory services. Check them out at vcsoservices.com. So I have to preface this by saying that I, I have spent time in higher ed. In fact, the first half of my career, roughly, well, that fraction's kind of gone down lower as I've gotten older. But the first, the first part of my career was in higher ed. And there were certainly some unique challenges to, the, um, to that group of young adults here, but um, in cybersecurity and in technology in general. But now you're talking about really um, a, a, youngsters from kindergarten to K through, well, K-12, basically. Um, what are some of the uh, cybersecurity threats that you have to deal with in that group? Well, it's, it's definitely an issue. Um, and I would preface by saying there's, there's about, I think the number is 50 million K-12 students. Mm. And a lot of schools also service preschool. So we don't really count those kids. Um, mm -hmm. But as soon as we start handling those students in public education, we start collecting data. We have, we generate our own identity numbers, but often schools are still collecting social security numbers. They're collecting certainly, you know, parent contact information, phone numbers. It's a lot of data that, the bad guys want. So the mm -hmm. biggest threat is data loss in, in one form or another. Um, and I think it depends on what studies you look at, but education is always one of the top three targeted industries. It's government, healthcare, and education are, are right there. And it depends on which study you're at, what, which is number one. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, and it, whether it's ransomware or just a data breach or third-party risk, uh, it seems like every day I'm reading one or two, you know, breaches. There's people are announcing and, and those are the only ones we're hearing about. You know, only recently were schools actually required to to notify someone that there had been a breach. Um, and we know those numbers are low. We know the statistic numbers are always low, right. but um, that's probably the biggest threat, you know, especially now and, and especially since COVID where a lot of schools, well, every school went virtual for a little bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, everybody's online now. It's not like your threat is physical loss of data, which it used to be maybe even 10 years ago. That was a higher risk. But everything's online now. And not only not only just to access, you know, the Internet, but schools are sharing all of that data with third party applications. You know, we're mm -hmm. we're pushing student information and rosters and class schedules and sometimes parent contact information um, and that's going to third parties which most schools have no idea what that third party risk management process even looks like you know they don't even think about it just you just are trusting that you know i guess in education we we feel like we're trying to do the right thing and so everybody we work with is going to be trying to do the right thing too but that's not the case <laughs> Sometimes in the uh, in in the real world out there in corporate, the right thing has some dollars attached to it, and, and you know they, it's all about like uh, you know a, a public company's um, main goal 
is to satisfy the shareholders. Whereas a, um, in education, your main goal is to educate and shepherd the students and to, and to mentor them and to make sure that they are prepared for the real world. Which, you know, I, I wish if I could go back, I would be like, no, I think I want to stay in elementary school my entire life <laughs> if I could. Life's definitely a lot simpler from that perspective. But uh, you, you touched on something that me, I've never been blessed to have children. And so there are some things that I just don't know about in that area. And you talked about social security numbers. Do children like uh, children who are like five, six, seven years old, do they like a, generally already have social security numbers or does this not come until later in their in their age? No, generally kids have social security numbers um, shortly after they're born. Um, really? Yeah. And it, I think it might vary from state to state. But when my kids were born, we had social security numbers for them before they were one year old. You know, mm. you, it's just almost part of that birth certificate process where you have that. And um, yeah. And so well, um, the reason why, the reason why I thought of that is that I remember as a child, when my, my father had applied for myself and my two brothers to get a social security number. My two brothers were older than me and I was old enough to obviously remember this. So that, that's why I would have I would have assumed that it would have been part of the part of the human race onboarding project process. You know, it's just like, OK, birth certificate, social security number and all that. Um, but uh, I, I didn't know until you just mentioned it. So that's that's a good point. A um, lot of schools don't collect that information anymore because we don't need it. You know, it was it's kind of left over from that was the that was their unique identifier that we were going to, you know, going to use. But. What, what some kids are finding now is they're getting out and going to college and getting ready to, you know, get their first credit card or whatever. And they've already been declared bankruptcy, you know, in their name. Um, bad guys are stealing that data and then they'll, mm -hmm. they'll sit on it for 10, 15 years sometimes and then use it. Um, oh, so that's horrible. I mean, yeah. um, what about, what about cyberbullying? How bad of an issue is that for, for the younger generation? It, it's it's definitely an issue. I mean, bullying is always an issue. I don't, I don't think yeah. you can go to any playground without having bullying. And and when you throw cyber into it, it just becomes even more enabling. You know, you think about how even the road rage effect where people get in their car and they act like a different person than they would face to face. Yeah. And I think the Internet does that with our kids because they feel like there's well, there's no immediate feedback. You know, you could you could say some pretty terrible stuff to someone online that you wouldn't say to their face because you'd have that visual feedback. That feedback loop is broke when you're online. Or sometimes you'd have the physical feedback too. Right? Exactly. Like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes that was all it took was, mm -hmm. you know, two bullies would, or, you know, a bully and a victim would get into a fight and the next thing you know, they're best friends, but that doesn't happen on cyber. So it definitely is an issue. Um, most schools have tools in place that monitor all communication, email, chat, anything electronic that's happening and um, and look for for warning signs, you know, and triggers on those things. Do you and this is a little bit outside of it, but I'm fascinated with how the younger generation is using technology and again, not seeing it on a day to day basis in my own personal world. Do you feel that there's maybe too much technology now that the kids have their faces in it too much. I mean, I remember when I was a child, I always go back, you know, back in the days when we had stone knives and bearskins, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, we would go outside and, and we would play. And then sometimes we pop in front of the TV and watch. And 
I remember when the first color TVs came out, this was a brilliant thing that the parents told the kids. It's just like, and I don't think it was true, but they said you can't watch too much TV because color TV has like radiation and it'll burn your eyes out. And we took it. We took it. But but the point being is that we 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 really spent most of our time playing and imagining and all of that. And whereas when you have like these things that you have your face in all the time, I imagine that that I'm afraid that that's might might stifle um, development. Now, I might also be just way off base on this. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I think it, it really is a double edged sword. Um, when I first got into technology and education, I was a super advocate is mm -hmm. the way I would put it. You know, we were trying to throw in as much technology as we could. Um, and I think my thoughts on that have kind of swung the other way. You know, we have in our school and in most schools in the country. Now we have devices or Chromebooks that we're giving our kids clear down to kindergarten. Yeah. And, you know, they're teaching them typing and some of the core kind of skills, but a lot of times it's, it's a something, it's a center, go over there and, and get on that computer for a little bit and maybe do a math game or, you know, something almost to, you know, just go over there. So you're, you're busy and out of the way so I can deal with these students over here. It, and I actually had a teacher one time that was saying that um, their third grade kids were doing stuff. And I, and I said, no, don't take them into the lab, take them outside, take them to go play at recess because they're going to be sitting in front of a computer for the rest of their life. Um, yeah. I think there's got to be a balance. You know, we've got to definitely, it's not going away. You know, we're, we're in a, a very unique point in human history. I think our technology is advancing so incredibly fast with AI and, you know, the things that are coming up now and the potential for quantum computing and, you know, and the threats that come along with it, the cybersecurity threats, um, we can't turn a blind eye to that. We, but we can't turn a blind eye to the, our human element either. You know, we, we need that interaction. We need that. And it's, it's hard for schools. Um, I was talking to a large school here in Wyoming and the tech director said that the kids can't type. They, their, their particular district has all iPads. So they don't even get keyboarding skills because you don't really get keyboarding on an iPad. Right. right. And, um, so the kids are punching in their passwords, you know, like this. I'm having a, I'm sorry. I'm having a mental image. You said the keys can't, the kids can't type. And I'm like, I took typing in like sixth grade. I mean, click, 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 that sort of thing. Not even electric. It was manual, I think at the time. Right. Okay. I'm aging yeah. myself. Go ahead. And we just don't, we don't, well, I think I'm more, we're very, very close to the same age, you and I, so yeah. <laughs> we share the same things. Um, but kids also can't write now, you know, mm. we, we forego those calligraphy classes that I know you and I had when we were young. It wasn't called calligraphy, but that's basically what it was, is we were learning to write and we wrote yep. our papers on penmanship. Exactly. Yeah. On the ruled paper. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is, that's not, I'm not going to say it's not taught at all, but it's definitely not a focus anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Not as much as it was when you and I were in school. Um, so kids are coming out of school. They can't type, they can't write. Um, I shouldn't say they can't write. They can't write on paper. They, it's a physical thing. It isn't that they can't create is what you're saying, or they can't right. answer that sort of yeah. thing. Right. A nice pun. Yeah. So in, in some ways it does seem like maybe we're going the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's just because it's, everything is so challenging. There's so many obstacles and, you know, and um, 
and it's not just public education. It's this whole chaos theory. Everything is getting more complex and, you know, there's no way around that. And we just have to do the best we can. Well, and that's a um, good segue into the same problems that we have. I, I know um, there's a lot of stress involved with IT and with cyber and having all of these devices around and I'm constantly in it. And I mean, I have to do that for my job, but I have to make a sometimes a really intentional effort to just put it down, lay it, lay it aside and, and force myself to do something because if I don't, I feel, I feel really crappy. If like, you know, I'm as a, as an entrepreneur, I have the, the tendency to want to be working 24 by seven and you just can't do that. You cannot sustain that. So I'm, I so much encourage folks to go out there and do something outside of cyber and IT. What's one of the things that you do to help get away from all that stress? Well, I, I try to tell my kids, whether they're my, my kids or the kids that I interact with at the school, um, I try to encourage them as much as they can to live a life that they don't have to take a vacation from, right? Which is mm. kind of core to that philosophy of what you're talking about. It, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're a carpenter or you're do cybersecurity or you're a programmer, any much of one or too much of any one thing can be damaging. Um, mm -hmm. And I am a firm believer that you do have to step aside and, and do something different. Um, so I, I have a lot of varied hobbies that I do. I really enjoy board games. Um, I, I love time with my family. My my wife is a, a blessing. Um, absolutely. We, you know, we've been married since 91 and somehow she still hangs around. And so that's, uh, <laughs> she's, she's always there as a sounding board. I think, you know, there's times you have to vent and talk about it, um, to like-minded people that understand, you know, what you're going through. And sometimes it's just figuring out, Oh, I'm, I'm not the only one that's seeing this. You know, everyone is just having similar, you know, issues. Um, we do a lot of physical things this past weekend. We, we were cutting firewood. We, we live mm. in a log cabin here in Wyoming with got a, a wood stove. And so we were cutting firewood and, and I tell you, just being able different than IP and then, than it is, you know, when I leave work at the end of the day, I have very little to show that, I mean, I was busy all day and I did work, but when you get done stacking a pile of wood, you can oh, stand yeah. back and go, ah, I I've, done that. I've done that. I've done that. And, and the splitting and that, and that is an, uh, that is a workout to do that if you it do is. it properly, you know? Um, but uh, in fact, I, I think it's so important. I'm paraphrasing a, a buddy of mine. I, um, had a little reunion of sorts with some folks from college uh, recently. And, and he, we're talking about um, physical shape and mental shape. And he's like, you know, one of the secrets now is like, we can't like be building muscle like we did, like when we were in our twenties, but we just got to keep moving. We just got to keep moving. And, and I think that that's, that's, that's huge. And certainly splitting logs, you're doing a lot of moving there. So, so what, what are your future plans? You plan to split some more logs or? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of never ending um, yeah if you yeah. want to <laughs> <laughs> um you know i i don't know for sure i'm kind of at this this crux in my career where i still like what i do but it it becomes tiresome and it, it feels like at some point you know you're just like man should i just do something else i would love to do some 
consulting and VCSO work specifically for education. Um, mm -hmm. I think I've got a really good understanding of, of how education works, you know, from leadership to budgeting to, you know, to all those aspects. And it doesn't matter whether it's a small district or a large district, everyone, education really has this problem of not being able to protect itself right now and protect its data. And even if they have an, an incident, most schools don't have, you know, they don't have an incident response plan. They don't have, they don't know what to do. Um, and so they also don't have the money to hire someone to do it full time. So I think a VC so is the, is the way that schools should go. Um, and I could see myself doing that. And cause I really do like education. I like, I like the idea that I'm working in an industry where you feel like you're making a difference. You may never see what that is, but you yeah. hope at some point you're having an impact. You know, some teachers, they never find out whether they had an impact on a kid, but you know, they did. And, and I, I like that kind of ethical, moral, um, high ground of working in education. That's one of the reasons that i that I started doing it. Um, instead of producing widgets, we're producing children, we're producing our future leaders. And so I'd like to continue staying in education, but I, I think I would like to focus more on cybersecurity and, and, and helping other schools other than just my own. Well, it's interesting, that thing about making a difference, because I was thinking about that on a walk this morning. It's like, there are some things I do that I'm not sure if I'm making a difference or not. But then again, it's like every now and then, I'll hear something or I'll get some sort of validation. But really, I think from like my God perspective is that you're not in it to know that you're making a difference. You're in it to do what I'm needing you to do. And, and I think that uh, so long as we follow that sort of path. Now, the VC so world, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a little biased there because, I mean, I, I love it. And I, I, you know, I jumped into this seven years ago. Um, I highly encourage that. And, um, and certainly, if are there are any virtual CISOs out there, firms that are looking for uh, some really good in, uh, experience in, in education for security purposes, um, give Chris a call. You Absolutely. Know? Um, Chris, it's been absolutely wonderful talking with you. I, I, I wish we had more time. I, I want to learn more about uh, everything, everything Wyoming wise, but uh, the next time we're out there, maybe we'll pop in and say, Hey, it's like, you know, you, everything's you so should. Close, yeah. Right? If you come out this way, you let me know. Yeah. You, you give me a call anytime. We'll come out here. I'll take you fishing. We'll do some fun stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and everybody stay secure. Stay secure.